You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit our website at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. that's right hey what's up guys how you doing hey man good to see y'all in person for a change yes this listener is a very special episode of the better than fiction bible podcast not only because we're going to be discussing the bible right that's special in and of itself but also because this is the first time in more than two years of recording that we have been all in one accord together in the same room. Yahtzee. I'm glad we did it on a nice round number episode like 89. <laughs> 89 and not wait till 90. And not only that. It's finally here. But the live this episode. is also the very first video podcast. That's right, listener. Right now, you can go to our website. It's live. If you're listening to this, that means that you can go to our website, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. And if you go to the podcast tab under episode 89, you can watch. And see us. How about that? Uh, in the please, spirit please and in the still flesh. Listen on your podcast platform, not to throw off the analytics. We don't want to think. <laughs> we don't want this to to track as a particularly unpopular episode because then it'll feel personal. Well, you know what? I think Spotify and Apple Podcasts are about. To, I think it was supposed to be later this year. They're going to introduce like where the video podcast and the audio podcast are like one in the same. Oh, okay. Thing. So you can just listen to the video or the the audio. Well, channel. they did like, that just, with yeah. uh, they did that with iTunes. Uh, Back in the day. Yeah, before they discontinue that. And then well, if you are now, a lot of iTunes, you are like standalone series on podcasts. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Or if you were the golden child of Spotify, Joe Rogan, it means that you just get those features like for the rest we of us. We are the not plebes. tackling that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but also, this episode is brought to you by First Baptist Church of Tupelo, Mississippi, who has graciously not only provide us the space to be able to do that, but they, uh, number one, they provide you the wizard who had to stay here until 10 <laughs> o'clock last night setting this all up. Oh, I thought you threw this together this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish, I wish y'all could see the rig that he's got behind the table. They can, yeah. by going to our website. They can see. The oh, did you put a picture of it? Uh, you know what? I will. Now that you okay. said that, I will. And then um, also This for, is like peeking behind the curtain in the city of Oz. <laughs> and... Uh, First Baptist Church Tublo for providing the mobile broadcast setup, which I will say in relation to today's episode is actually called Project Archangel. Oh, is the official <laughs> is the official name of this setup. <laughs> That's so good. That's good. That's Somewhere so good. in Pastor Allred's e- email inbox, there's an email with a Word document that just says Project Archangel, or I asked him for tens of thousands of dollars I to be like able to do this. I feel unintentionally uh, advertising for these Albanese gummy bears. This episode is not brought to you by Albanese. Uh, but if y'all want to sponsor us, we are very open-minded. I've never had these, and Matt and Gandalf talk about them off-air all the time. So collectively, this ba- oh, there's two left in there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, collectively, we Nathan, where two where two or more gummy bears are gathered, all right. right. Now I, I will say this: Gandalf is a recent convert. Yes. So I talked apparently about, already has a, a hoard like yeah. a stash in his office. We, that, we're on air, Nathan. We don't uh, talk about that. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I just want to say I had mixed motives for being here. I'm glad that we have a you know a video episode that we're doing this live. I came down for two reasons. Number one, to get this mug uh, that was <laughs> That's made. Right. 
When was this made? Well, that's that's the season two logo. So it was probably around the time we were talking about like Adam and Eve having children. This that was is, probably about. This where is it my was. first. This is my first tangible proof that this mug exists, and that I'm not being sent a photo of someone else's. And the other thing, <laughs> one of our faithful listeners, uh, we referenced the Sandlot at least once, but probably more than once because it's us. And, uh, you know, we only have so many ideas. Gosh, it seems like forever there ago. There it is. There it is. Clever. Um, but one of our faithful listeners got us some Sandlot-themed socks. And uh, they were talking to me, and they said, man, have you ever? did you ever get those socks that I sent uh, Matt for y'all? And I was like, I had forgotten that they were sent. I was like, is Matt holding out on us? <laughs> no. Hey, then, I, I called and told you. You did. You yeah. did. You, did. No, you, just, you can see I've not I, worn I, them. I had a... Uh, I mean that one pair has been washed one. No, uh, so part of part of the after show is divvying up. I don't know how we're gonna go about that in a manner agreeable to everyone. There's a great segue though. Oh, oh, that's good. Before we get into that, I have to say we talk about Lord of the Rings way more often than we talk about Sandlot. How many more times do I have to mention Lord of the Rings before <laughs> someone sends us Lord of the Rings merch? That's what uh, I really want. Well, I, no one hesitates to pick up Sandlot stuff. People are like, do I want to get the Lord of the Rings merch public? You know, you know. As long it's as we for just, a friend. As long no as we don't start. <laughs> no one believes that ever. Right. If it's fantasy, no one believes that it's for a friend. Uh, I will put my foot down if we start <laughs> getting a hook merch. I will be like, no, it's, it's too much. I don't feel like they made a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with Bang-a-rang. all that, with all that being said, let us uh, begin. We, we could almost like we're I'm interceding on behalf of the there content. There it is. Way mm. to bring it back. So we are in Genesis 18. It's that Tesla autopilot thing. (laughs) We're in Genesis 18, and we're going to be beginning in verse 22, where we left off last week. Last week, we talked about a detail that we had just looked over. We talked about flyover country, Mm. uh, the whole idea that Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre in Hebron, Hebron, was meeting with divine beings on top of a mountain next to trees and just the uh, the structuralism that's found in the Bible, that that's going to reoccur again and again and again. Yeah. And uh, so we looked at that last week and then we also... And that was not our, that was not our first take on that episode. Sometimes yeah. we are not content with what we right. put out and poor Gandalf has to edit not once but twice. That was a redo. Uh, that, but that was a redo. because And, and for us, uh, Matt and I were talking over the weekend and it just... We were not content of how we got to where we were going. And and for me, the Abraham stepping into the priestly office mm-hmm. really helps make better sense of why we go from snack time to interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it just makes much more. And that's not something I'd, you know, we were talking. That's not something I'd give, previously given a lot of thought to, but really helped for me connect some dots um, in, in, in terms of why the chapter unpa- unfolds or unpacks the way that it does. And it's also interesting that, and we mentioned this, uh, I can't remember who mentioned it last week, but it was interceding on behalf of Gentiles, which that, yeah. that is, an, uh, it's just something that, you know, when you read slow, it pops out. But uh, anyway, um, Genesis chapter 18, verses 22 uh, through uh, the end of the chapter. Wow. And will probably be more than one episode on this section, but let's go ahead and read um, the rest of this. This is a conversation that Abraham now, who's just been renamed Abraham, uh, has with God concerning the judgment on Sodom. 
So again, why don't you read for us today? As I said, there's not enough names in this passage for y'all to read. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll read. Uh, this is from the ESV, as always. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham s- still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 who, righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole city, the whole I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Good job, Gandalf. So, just before we hop into this, so as a child, I grew up during the season in the era of the moral majority. Uh, of course, Nathan, you did too. And one of the things that was frequently said during that time, um, and it's interesting who it's traced back to. Everybody thinks, oh, that was Jerry Falwell's line, but it was actually Billy Graham that first said this, the best of my understanding, that if God does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you ever heard a preacher say that before? Yes. And what's interesting here is that God is going to spare the entire city for just 10 people. Just, and that they're there. In fact, St. Ambrose says this. um, I I saw this this week when preparation for this episode. It says, and thus through a sequence of questions and answers, even if just 10 just are found in the city. God promises not to punish the entire populace thanks to the rectitude of a few. From this, we should understand what a powerful bulwark a just person can be for the country and how we should not be jealous of saintly persons or criticize them. Um, In fact, their faith saves us. Their rectitude preserves us from destruction. Even Sodom, if it had 10 just men, would have been able to save itself. Isn't that, mm. isn't that something? Yeah. So, And it also goes back to the theme that we have talked about over and over again, which is that God is much more kind. As you read the Old Testament, like... So much kinder than we give him credit for. He was Absolutely. going to call, like, one of... When, when you talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, that is when people think about divine punishment. It, only this, the flood. This is the... So like Babel, and, and part of it is, and we talked about this going through, because we overlook 
what's going on at Babel uh, until you look at things like the interpretive tradition. When most people think of like the archetypal evil city, they go to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, but God's like in the midst of that. If like, by the way, time out. I am calling up my buddy Abraham the next time I buy a used car. <laughs> Talking him down, yeah. Talk, talk about let's make a deal. This yeah, guy. That's, that's right. But it's the same time, it's the whole 120-year thing. Yeah. All right, I'm giving you 120 years to repent. All right, if 10 righteous people uh, were, were found, then, hey, look, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the whole thing off. That's it. Oh, and you, uh, you're going to be upset with me for uh, going here too early. No, that's fine. Go for it. It's hard because Matt's always pushing back against me. Don't go there yet. Don't go there yet. <laughs> and now we're in real time and I have to make eye contact. With you. <laughs> no, it's all good. But no, this is the thing that you were talking about. Just the low, the low threshold to enact God's grace, kindness, patience, forbearance, mm. pick your word. Um, when the angelic visitors do get to the city, it is Lot and Lot alone that surprise, surprise shows them hospitality. Yeah. And on the basis of Lot, Lot's entire family, save his salty wife, yeah, is redeemed. Right. Quite right. literally, salty wife. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> um, it makes me wonder. I wonder. I wonder how yeah, far. Yeah, meant to be a pun. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I wonder how far Abraham could have pushed it. Could he have been like, like, why didn't he ask for five? Well, uh, why, why didn't God, God, leaves, God leaves the negotiating table? I was like, and when the Lord had concluded talking to Abraham, he's going to drive me, a hard bargain. He's going to get me down to five. Uh, yeah, that, it's like, listen, the bread was good. All right, I'll, I'll give it to you. But it's, it is that thing where God pronounces judgment. And again, this is the Bible God wants us to have. The Bible has all these stories where God can pronounce judgment. We talked about uh, David and Bathsheba's first son before we started recording. David. Uh, gears himself and said, who knows, maybe God will be merciful. There's an unstated assumption about God's character, even when God is the righteous judge pronounces judgment, that this righteous judge who would be perfectly just to pass a sentence may nevertheless show mercy uh, and stay his hand. Well, I'm thinking of uh, in story of Jonah, the citizens of Nineveh. Yeah. Like in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Yeah. He doesn't like Jonah doesn't bust in there and say, Hey, unless you clean your, clean up your act, he's going to destroy the city. He goes, no, there's no prospect. You're done. And they, they immediately, they immediately, you know, go, well, man, we gotta, gotta get our act together. And And then it's spared. At the end of Jonah's book, Jonah was fearful because he knew that could happen. God, I knew if I came here and preached judgment, I, I can't wait till we get there because I love how that's presented as a twist. You're so optimistic. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, at, the, at the beginning, it just says that he ran away because he was afraid. We're like, what is he afraid of? In the end, we see his true colors, what he was afraid of. So it's interesting. There's another phrase that we've heard a lot. And I, we've all heard this, but it was Soren Kierkegaard who says this, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Now, that's difficult. Like, God does not change in his essence. God does not change in his attributes. We've talked in previous, you know, this many moons ago, we talked about the immutability of God. Um, but to change it just a you little bit. You even start having this conversation. People get uneasy. Oh my gosh, Matt's a closet open theist. Yeah, exa- exactly. But what do you do with the story? Like there's a whole lot of things that seem to change when people pray. Well, yeah, and that, and that, my thing is when we go, I'm not, I'm not dismissing that open theism is a substantial theological issue to engage sure. regardless of where one falls on it. Um, 
But if we go immediately to that, we can't experience this passage in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you could, you could instantly say, well, God knew that there weren't going to be 40 or 35 or 30 or 20 or 10. What does it say in the Bible God wants us to have that Abraham is, is confident in appealing to God's mercy? In other, in other words, Abraham knows God's sovereign. Yeah, well, Genesis eighteen twenty five. He knows God's powerful. Right there, the, the judge of all the earth. It's the judge of all the earth is going to do what is just, and then he asks, "So what about if there are <laughs> fifty righteous?" Yeah. So Abraham is fully aware of God's sovereignty and God's power, and yet he still prays in order to change the situation. And also, keep in mind who he's praying for. He's praying for his neighbors. The sodomites mm-hmm. and you know we could say uh well he he probably just had a lot on his mind well no i mean it had to, the numbers indicate he had more than just a lot on well his and mind. again abraham not being reproved i got abraham not being reproved by god uh you know he he says well you're not surely you wouldn't judge the righteous with the unrighteous but there's no scandal in God saving or redeeming or sparing the unrighteous for the sake of the righteous. You see what I'm saying? Uh, the the converse scenario is not a scandal. Anyway, it's that it's just neat. The big thing that we have to talk about, though, is the fact that Abraham has these heavenly visitors and they're making, you know, this is they're they're negotiating God's course of action at all. What's what's going on there? Right. So we've talked before about divine counsel. Of course, we've talked about that here at First Baptist before uh, a few years ago when we did our study on the unseen world. But uh, we're not alone in this. We're not just pulling this out of the air. Uh, scholars, one that we quote frequently regarding Genesis uh, in his New American Commentary, Kenneth Matthews, points out that, hey, this is a reference to the divine council. Um, what is the divine council? Well, perhaps you remember that from... We get glimpses of it every now and again. You can see it in Psalm 82, Psalm 89. And I think I think of, man, I, we talked a little bit about Job before we were recording. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah. I, and then you're reading in real time and I'm like, and Abraham says, I am but dust and ashes. And I was like, yeah. Job That's is all ex- over oh, this. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. You know, anyway. How but about I, that? We can I'll, talk about it because we're not going to get there. Well, but, but anyway, but I, I think of uh, Job 1 and 2. You have the divine council, the sons of God coming together, right? Mm-hmm. Um the, the big example that we use is First Kings 22, the whole Ahab and Micaiah thing, uh, where God is about to bring judgment on Ahab, and um, Micaiah has this, you know, uh, all the prophets are giving a favorable uh, report to Ahab, uh, and Ahab's like, all right, where's Micaiah? Because that guy always talks against me. And they bring Micaiah, and initially... Micaiah gives a favorable word too. And he's like, no, there's no way. You are never for me. And so then Micaiah's like, yeah, you're going to (laughs) die. And uh, he's like, here's what I really saw. There's this heavenly throne room. And God's like, who's going to entice Ahab to go out to battle? And one person recommends this. One person recommends this. One person. And then here comes this heavenly being who says, I will put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the big thing for us to discuss is God is sovereign, mm-hmm. absolutely, and yet God is entertaining game plans from different members of that heavenly meeting. So, like, depending on how, and we've talked about this before, but depending on how you— This is how the sovereign God chooses to operate. Right. Depending on how you look at Job chapter 1, 
on who the Satan figure is. I think we've talked about that before, is that uh, just the office of the accuser, is that actually the devil? Um, I, I lean towards thinking that it actually is the devil. Uh, but nonetheless, is these decisions of what transpires and comes and it, and either, on the and earth. Either way, either yeah. way, no matter what someone's take is on the Satan right. in Job, the Satan is making a recommendation when the sons of God come before God that is influencing it's a their meeting. course of action. It's a meeting. It's a meeting. So, like, for instance, uh, the guy I read, I think it was uh, Michael Heiser, when he's talking about... Taking the text as it presents itself. Right. When he was talking about he doesn't believe that the Satan would have access to a divine council meeting. That, so well, that's and, what, and that's where it's... Yeah, and we can't get too much into that today, but we'll yeah. come back to it. <laughs> but something that did come to mind when I was uh, had the privilege of preaching at another church this week during revival, and uh, it was Luke. Let's see, it was the conversation of the Last Supper, where Jesus is talking to them and he's telling them about what what's going to happen. Let's see. Well, I love that fully work you the rustling of the while yeah. You're, while you're looking for that. Um, I had several people talk to me about uh, the, the thing we talked about last week about God appearing between two angelic figures. Oh, yeah. And I said, man, Going to the New pattern. Testament. And, and yeah. Matt, in real time, you talked about the Ark of the Covenant. And I was just doing that mind-blown gif, uh, you know, but mm -hmm. there, it wasn't on film, so you couldn't see it. Um, but, yeah, so many people went to the New Testament. And someone's, you know, so, several said, what about the Mount of Transfiguration, which is something we've talked about off air. Mm. The big thing, you mentioned Jesus at the Last Supper. What's such a big deal? Capture this with me. When Jesus is going to Jerusalem, what is a big deal? Hey, Jesus, can we sit at your right and your left? left. Isn't that a bit? That is. I, 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 sit it where? And, and he said, listen, you don't know. You don't realize what you're asking. That's it. So uh, Luke uh, 22, 31, Simon Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. So in the backdrop of my mind, I'm thinking about divine, divine counsel and how the will of God and the story works on earth from these conversations. And I was thinking, all right, Satan demanded, demanded where? That's good fodder for the Job conversation. Yeah. yeah. So, so demanded where he's making, I love that. he's making this demand. That he wants to switch to sift not just you, Simon, but all of you, the U.S. plural, um, and wants to sift y'all like wheat. But I've prayed for you, so love it's it. it's interesting to me though that I love that the Satan, Satan keeps thinking that his game plan will thwart God's game plan. And just God, God's like, no, I can use that. Yeah, it, just like Job <laughs> suggests. Checkmate. Yeah, exactly. Just like Job's, like the accuser. It's almost kind of like. Hey, well, you know the only reason he's doing Sorry, this. Sorry, this gets me. Jesus gets me in the feels. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. But the only reason he's doing this is because that—that's a sermon. But I prayed for you. What is praying for someone? Ding, 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 and it's intercession. Yeah, yeah. And 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 here's the segue back to what we're talking about. And Jesus says, speaks about a heavenly reality while he's on earth. This is the big thing that's going on in Genesis 18 that we talked about. We've talked about divine counsel, but we always see those things in Job, 1 Kings. They're always in the heavenlies. In Genesis 18, uh, Ken Matthews and others, it seems that they're having a divine counsel on earth and an earthly figure, Abraham, right after he starts that priestly transition. Abraham's part of the meeting.
and he's allowed input. Nathan, you pointed out when back way back when when we were in Genesis two that Adam names the animals, and in Genesis two it says, "And whatever the man named them, that was its name." Binding authority. That's yes, it. it is. All right, this look, this guy's in charge. Like whatever he says. And that's, I mean, again, we've talked so much about, and this is not us. There's so much Jewish stuff on this uh, in, in between the Testaments um, and in the interpretive tradition that Abraham and Abraham's family becomes the divine response and plan to what happened with Adam and his family. In Eden, you had a overlap between heaven and earth place. This is happening on the mountain, but outside of the garden. Well, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's that's big. You know, I've had conversations with uh, friends of mine who lean in a different theological uh, tradition on issues like this, is that they'll push back and say, you just have a problem with the fact that God has, that God chooses everything. Like you, you struggle, Matt, with God's sovereignty. You're not coming, you like, you have to have a say, like you're trying to hold on to this whole idea of free will. I'm, and I'm, you cannot, I'm trying to, personally, I'm trying to hold on like, 100% God is sovereign. Right. The sovereign God seems, unless I'm, I have to do some gymnastics around the text as we have it. The sovereign God seems to choose to work this way. That's right. <laughs> so, and first of all, like I, one of the th statements is really again, helpful. At the end of it, Checkmate. I That's like, right. I really, you guys ever see that uh, Pixar short Jerry's game where they're playing the two old men are playing? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the same it's like, guy that keeps turning around. Like, like Satan is like timidly doing it and the guy goes, ha! <laughs> well, th I mean, this is... <laughs> this is... Uh, I haven't sung in this episode. That's throwing me off. But uh, this is the thing, and this is not my illustration. This has been used by so many. Who is, who is the ultimate chess master the one who says, I'm so good that the only way I can have an honest game is to move pieces on both sides of the board and play myself. Or the one who says, I will show that I'm a sovereign by beating anyone who plays me, regardless of how they choose to move their pieces. Now, we talk about Tolkien all the time, and we've used this before, but his book, The Silmarillion, at the very beginning, when the the I feel Satan like Gandalf character. would have canceled this whole thing and right. made us reshoot if there was not some kind of reference. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Matt. But in The Silmarillion, yeah, when the 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 Satan character, so to speak, Melkor, Melkor, <laughs> is throwing off the beauty of creation and throwing off the song That's of good. the Anur and all that, who are the angels and stuff like that. Um, he only at first it sounds ugly, but then the song actually, the beautiful song, absorbs his ugly sounds that he's making, only making the beautiful songs more beautiful. This was yes. we uh, previewed our uh, we started practice for our Christmas thing last night. Mm -hmm. uh, Royce Wilder, our wonderful music minister who does not listen to the show. Love you, Royce. Um, <laughs> uh, but he previewed the music and there was this one medley of songs and they all had this thing in common. It's all the songs like a Carol of the Bells is in there. Uh, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day is in there. And they all start in a minor chord. And the neat thing is they take all of these uh minor chord songs and by the end of the song they've transitioned to they they all end on a major uh, uh on a, a major note it's, it's redeeming the dissonance the sadness the but part of the beauty is in oh, the point counterpoint juxtaposition i know we're in genesis 18 but can i can i look again at luke 22 
just real quick. Go for it. Um, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, he's talking plural, y'all, all the disciples, that he might sift y'all like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So things, things I love about that. First of all, he tells Peter, you're going to fail. But I've prayed for you. Listen, and all of the, with the with the possible exception of John, right? They all abandoned him. They all abandoned him. But I I've prayed for you that when that happens and you turn around, that even though it's going to look like a triumph of the enemy, he has just crushed you, like you know, beating the chaff away from the wheat, sifting you like wheat. Actually. I'm going to use this that you're going to strengthen your brothers. Well, you and, only and make the story more beautiful. And time out. The brothers that until now you're still viewing as your competition. Oh, oh man, because they've just talked about who's to be the greatest. That's yep. it. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, <laughs> it, it's like when we get how, <laughs> when we get how God is working in this and tie in divine counsel language, we stop worrying so much about our seat and realizing that the table's big enough. I like using Psalm 23. Uh, we we don't struggle at all with the first half, and, and churches I've pastored know where I'm going with this straight out of the gate. We don't struggle with the imagery of the first half of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Makes me to lie down in green pastures. What sheep doesn't love grass? <laughs> Leads me beside quiet waters. Nothing scary there. Restores my soul. Amen. Hallelujah. Leads me in the path of righteousness or on righteous paths or on right paths, paths that make sense for his namesake. Glory be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or darkest shadow, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Uh, God, where are we going? Yeah, that's right. But you're with me, right, God? Uh, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Verse five is huge. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. A lot of interpreters take the stance that God is affirming us or vindicating us in the presence of those who would denounce us or reject us. Mm -hmm. The part I can't get over, though, is in that setting, God anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. God gives me more blessing than I can contain. It's overflowing. Who are the only other people listed at the table? Oh, the presence of my enemies. Those I regarded as my enemies. This is not a direct line, but what does Abraham get in this passage? <laughs> and what is what is Abraham trying to do? Uh, again, this is not so. This is not his so, overflow to bless his enemies. We're not that mm -hmm. far from Genesis 14. Abraham knows what type of people he's dealing with, and yet he's seeking their deliverance uh, out of the goodness of the God who's promised life where it shouldn't be. Uh, anyway, that's that, that's, that's big, big, man. So there's so much more to talk about in this yeah, passage. Yeah, I know. We, we, and we, 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 like a, we definitely need to, to get a, a little more conversation about uh, the whole nature of how does a divine council work. I'm thinking Revelation 6. We've talked about that. We, we're going to have to do that in the next episode. Part two. Yeah. Yep. And then there's still more to talk about. What's God. that? Cliffhanger episode in the same passage. Yes. Turns out it's incredibly hard to do a con uh, a crisp episode when you're looking at you know who you're doing the podcast with so anyway well i'm just glad you didn't chastise me for going the whole thing with lot uh, in sodom and no i loved it <laughs> we'll never we'll not chastise you nathan not at least not on air and listener i will not chastise you if for whatever reason you are watching listening to this and you have not subscribed to the better than fiction bible podcast 
it's episode 89. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, part, check box, whatever that looks like on your uh, the third, the weird third party platform uh, of choice. That, <laughs> Love your mother-in-law. Uh, Nathan's mother-in-law listens too. Uh, what, Michael Bay, I'm sorry for the la- for last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna you're gonna be back here next week. Notification every Tuesday morning we reconnect some more dots, this grand narrative. Um until then, see we'll see you next week. All right, see you next time. Shalom. All right, clap sync in three, two, one.